I have a question for you today at the Radio Backyard Fence. If you are over 50, I want to hear your answer to this. What is the temptation you have in your life right now? Is it any different than when you were in your 20s or 30s or 40s? Our correspondent to Unwanted Change and Vintage Living, Miriam Neff, says she's a bit surprised at some of the temptations that have come up in this stage of her life, and we're going to talk about that today on Chris Fabry Live. You can answer on Facebook. Some of you have already done that. You can call us. I think this program will resonate with you if you are under 50, but I really want to specifically hear from those over 50 today at 877-548-3675. What's the temptation you have in life, and is it any different than 10, 15, 20 years ago? Let's see what things we can explore in the heart today. And by the end of the hour, you're going to hear a poem about our topic that you won't want to miss. Thanks in advance to Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trisha is our producer. Luke is answering your calls. I forgot to tell you, Ryan, we're going to do the Larry song here. That I mean, uh, can you play? Can you pull that up? At some point, pull that up and start it. My pal Larry sat down at the piano not long ago and arranged 12 songs. They're hymns. And when I listened to the CD for the first time, they did something inside of me. And I want you to experience that as well. The melody that you're about to hear is written by William H. Doan. It is estimated that he took as many as 1,500 poems by Fanny Crosby and put them to music. Listen to this. Yeah, that's it. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. Hymns in the, <clears throat> in the stillness is our thank you in March. That's the title of the CD that Larry put together. I want to send you a copy of it, a physical CD. You don't have to download anything. I'll put it in the mail, put it in your hands. Give a gift of any size today at 866-95-FABRY. It's just solo piano versions of 12 different hymns you heard leaning on the everlasting arms yesterday. Today is near the cross. 866-953-2279. Or just go to chrisfabrylive.org. I won't get the number wrong. ChrisFabryLive.org. And if you ever visit Moody Bible Institute, look for the Doan Memorial Music Building. That's who it was named after, William H. Doan. Really interesting man. He was an inventor and uh, wrote hymns, strong believer. Thanks for your support at the Radio Backyard Fence. Miriam Neff is our correspondent to Unwanted Change and Vintage Living. I added that, Miriam. Do you like, is that okay with you? Add the vintage living thing. Uh, vintage. I prefer that to the word old. <laughs> For some people, yes. there's a magazine called Mature, and again, that's old. But <laughs> I think of myself as like fine smoked Gouda cheese, better than ever. <laughs> I had never heard you say that. Okay, so you mentioned Mature because in this uh, Mature Living magazine, in this month's edition, I think it's the March edition, you talk, there's an article in there, and we'll talk about this, but uh, Miriam's a prolific author, world traveler, founder and president of Widow Connection, co-author of Wise Women Managing Money. And you sent me an email, this has been a few weeks ago, where you said, as a vintage believer, I have been surprised 
at the temptations in this stage of my life. Unpack there. Why'd you say that? Well, because it has been a surprise. And since I've been a widow, since my husband's been in heaven 17 years now, I have grown closer to the Lord. I read the word more. I depend more on the Lord. Isaiah 54, 5, the Lord is my husband, the maker of the universe. Uh, And so I guess, I don't know, did I think it would be smooth sailing? But then I look at Scripture. David didn't end well. Moses, I would say he lived well. Yes, he, he. we all have clay feet. But there were people that ended well, and there were people that didn't. And I thought, why is it that I sometimes am battling loneliness in a new and hard way? It's not fair. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to be over that. And so I'm going through these real-life living adventures with some surprises along the way. And I'm thinking, why is this? Because the evil one does not want me to end well. Hmm. And he's not I having the last word. He's not having I, the last yes. word. Well, I can tell that. And, and that, so there is, there is a sense of I'm going to make a decision you know, to move forward with this, and that helps. But I think the even behind all of that is something that I feel too, and that is I should be further down the road. I should I should get to some place where I don't have to deal with that that feeling, with this struggle that I'm going through, whatever you know, whatever you term temptation, that you reach a plateau where you don't deal with that anymore, and that's just not true. Oh, it certainly is not true. And if we, I think the fact that we think I should be further down the road, again, is the evil one's message, you're not good enough. And we keep going back to, and I'm glad you played that song, Near the Cross. It's like the solution to all of this, close to Jesus, close to Jesus, leaning on him. And I I mentioned the thing of uh, solitude and, and loneliness mm-hmm. and the kind of the struggle there. But also, there's so much in our culture that says the older you get, the less valuable you are. And that's not what the Bible says. Every day, God has planned for me, and I'm, I'm past the 60s, and I won't say more than that. <laughs> um, but God has plans for me today in this vintage season of my life. The culture is like, oh, uh, you know, sit in a chair, and when they ring the bell for dinner, go and eat a lot. Well, I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but, you know, it's like you don't have value anymore. Retire from your job. All of those things have nothing to do with God's plan for us. And I'm living the fact that after my retirement from a job I was paid to do, I have a calling that I love so incredibly much, and I found it so fulfilling the culture doesn't expect that of vintage people. Hmm. You know, I think you've you put your finger on the nerve of, of of that whole validation and value is wrapped up with the doing. And we talked with Kelly Flanagan yesterday about this: the doing versus the being. And if all of your life you have, we're going to talk tomorrow. The uh, same thing. Robert Wagam is going to be on with us. Um, but if you have lived all of your life gaining your value from what you do, what you accomplish, if you can become a success, and then you hit these years, uh, whether retirement is there or not, then you can you can start thinking that you're right. I don't matter that much because I don't do as much. 
and you start to realize it could be a good exercise. You start to realize what you're really basing your worth on. Is it really in what God says about me or is it what I can do and what I can accomplish? And in a lot of lives, there's a big chasm between those two things. Oh, for sure. And the culture pushes that incredibly. Not only is the doing uh, the big deal, but how much money is it bringing in? Or um, how do we look? How do I look? Uh, I should be conservative. No, I'm wearing sparkly feather earrings today (laughs) because I want to. And I pray every day for God to direct my thinking because it starts there. And I pray then that from his directing my thinking, it's about being, doing, and what I say. And I ask him to direct those four areas. And they also ask him to give me two things, joy and contentment. Contentment in vintage years is a gift that God gives us, and he does give us stuff to do. Yes. I, you know, in the last year of my mom's life, it was very much the same for her that she struggled, and she never came out and said it in so many words, but you could just, you could just hear the struggle in her voice that I'm not able to do the things that she loved to cook and she loved to bake for other people, and she couldn't do that. That was taken away from her. And when you take those kinds of things away, there's, there's a real struggle that goes on the inside. So let me give you that number, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. What is the temptation that you are facing? If you are over 50 today, what is the temptation you face? And is it any different than it was 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, or however many years you want to go back? 877-548-3675. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. Tricia came up with the title for today's program, Vintage Temptations. And I really like this because we're asking anybody over 50, what is the temptation that you have as you age? And is it any different than when you were younger? Rick says, I'm 70. I still deal with temptations like lust, anger, fear, and worry. If I rearrange them, it would be fear, lust, anger, and worry. Flaw. Yeah, I'm flawed, he says. Uh, Lorenzo, now proudly 76. I don't want to share deeply, but the continuing temptation is to resent people's interactions with me. But I seem to be growing more aware and able to choose not to get angry. I interpret this as the Holy Spirit's ongoing work in my life. So maybe part part of this, Miriam, is to be able to see it. And maybe as we ask this question and, and people think about this and process it, the Spirit just illuminating what your temptation is can be a finger on the nerve of your life that you know, that it, it wouldn't be there would not the Spirit be rising this to the surface. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. In fact, it's incredibly valuable to identify what it is because to deny it or uh, push it under the rug or whatever you want to call it, then you don't seek a solution. You don't go to the Word. You don't say, Lord, I, I just don't want to be suspicious of people or I don't want to be angry 
I, I don't want to be looking for satisfaction outside of what you've given me in my life. <laughs> so that identification of it and my psychology background way back in the day and my degrees talk about that. It's a kind of a medical parallel would be uh, until you have a diagnosis, you can't identify a solution to a health problem. Yes. You know, that, and we had a caller from Canada who uh, couldn't stay on the line. She's turning 75 in April. She said, I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety, and I'm not normally the kind of person who struggles with that. I'm not sure if it's age-related. My heart races, and Satan seems to attack me. Uh, it's awful. And I would say to that, I think you probably would agree with me, Miriam, that you know, you look, look for those things that are going on in your life that uh, bring up these anxious, worrying thoughts, but also don't discount that this might be a physical thing that's going on that your medical doctor might be able to help you with because your body is telling you something and you got to listen to that. And sometimes a medical professional, especially if it's a racing heart, um, that, that they may, he or she may be able to help you uh, answer some of those questions. Do you agree with that? I agree. And here's the parallel. For instance, we are a rushing, rushing society. You know, we have jobs and part-time jobs and we need another part-time jobs because we have mm-hmm. credit cards. We're rushing all the time. It's anxiety producing. The unrest in our country produces anxiety. I mean, there are a myriad of reasons that Christians can say, oh, my word, this is troublesome. Yes. So that we don't need to beat ourselves up for that. But the other thing is God says cast all our cares on him for he cares for us. But the other thing is if, if it's affecting us to a rushing heart, heart rate or other kinds of things that happen due to anxiety and depression, just like if you have diabetes, you go to a doctor mm-hmm. and get treated. You don't say, well, you can say, God, help me with this, and he may use a medical person to help you address that. Yes. Just like I got an email this, a little bit ago. It was talking about a marital issue, and it's, you know, would counseling help? Well, absolutely, Get you know, getting the right counsel, of course, but having another person look in on the struggle that you and your spouse are having in your marriage will help both of you to get that other perspective. So uh, we say that to our friend in Canada. I hope you're listening. Clay is in Florida. Hi, Clay. Go right ahead. Hey, Chris. Well, well, first thing I want to say, Miriam, you know, the, the spirit reflecting from you blesses me so much. You, you make my heart and my spirit leap. Um, the, the thing that I think that I'm 55 years old um, and single at this point, um, and I think the thing that I struggle with the most is depending on what I know more than moment by moment being led by the spirit. And, and there's these, these occasions where, because I've reached a certain age, you almost feel like you need to be an authority in certain things. And a lot of times people don't really care what you think or what you have to offer. And, uh, you know, I, I struggle a little bit with my flesh in that regard. As I age, I realize what you were saying about people being kind of pushed to the side as we get older. Um, you know, that's shameful because the scripture says that uh, the gray hair is a crown of life. And it's like people just don't want to get older. 
they, they don't want to age, that somehow holding on to your youth somehow connects you uh, to life. And it's, and it's such a lie. Um, there's so much wisdom that we gain as we move along, and we want to share that, but we also have to be led in the Spirit uh, in the way that we do that. Clay, when you say, depending on what I know, then, do you mean in your day-to-day, like, business life or in your personal life, or what what does that encompass? Well, like, you know, I'm well-studied. I studied a lot of different theological traditions and a lot of Scripture, and, um, you know, I think it's it's easy— to depend a little bit too much on what we what we know about God rather than depending on that relationship and having him place uh, those words in our heart at the time to lead us in the direction that he he wants us to go so that we're aligning our hearts with the direction he's leading us rather than allowing the knowledge to pop us up and think we know what to do all the time. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for it, because that that makes total sense to me. Miriam, what do you say to to Clay? Well, Clay, you have identified one of my temptations. I put it in a little different words. Uh, It's our plans versus God's plans. And we, Amen. I, we have a plan. I have a plan for my life. I thought at this stage I would be traveling the world with Bob. We'd both be retired, but he'd still be doing things in other countries for broadcasting. Well, that wasn't God's plan. I mean, it, but the other thing is our culture says, you know, map out your life, have a plan. You're going to do this, then go to school or go to trade school. And it says if you do this, this will happen. Scripture does not say that God will follow our plans for our life. And I think of some mm-hmm. examples, if I can just give a few. There are so many. In fact, in the book I wrote, Not Alone, about 11 widows in Scripture, there were 11 women that had a plan for their life that didn't happen. And uh, Paul, for one, he was an ambassador traveling all around the, the area. No, he was in chains. He was in prison. Oops, his plan was not what resulted at the end of his life. But because of that, we have the letters that he wrote in prison. Or Anna, widowed young, fasted and prayed all of her life. I mean, 60 years of being what would be considered not worthy in the Jewish world. Not married. No kids. Um There are just so many examples in Scripture of people. Bathsheba, Mm -hmm. her life plan was Uriah. Hope that's not how that turned out. Tamar, I could go on, but I don't. But in other words, if we go to the Word and say, God, I might have thought people would value my input now, but they don't. I can pray. I can fast. I can serve in different ways. And, And by the way, the way he might have us serve may be something we never dreamed of. And I would say yes. I'm exhibit A on that. But the, the, I got an anonymous person who, who emailed, and I want to read this. But, Clay, I, I want to go back to you. Uh, the, when you first started talking to us, I was thinking that, you know, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. Acknowledge the other, 
Yeah, the other yeah. struggle though that that I hear you having is that I want to I want to be spirit led. Well, what does that mean? Is does that mean that my plans and the, what you're going to do throughout that day maybe they won't change at all as far as what you do, but you become more aware of what God is. You know, you're more aware of the people around you mm-hmm. and what they're struggling with, rather than just getting all the check marks on on your to do list done. Does that make sense? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it's, it's, it's much more about interactions with people than it is my personal plans, because I, I, I don't have a problem putting, putting my life in subjection as far as the way I, I, I'm willing to allow the Lord to lead me. But it's stepping aside and denying that part of myself that wants to answer the question. Uh, rather than wait for the Holy Spirit to bring up a scripture verse or to lead me and allow the other person to be the more important in the issue, you know, and, okay. and actually putting myself in, in, in subjection in that regard. And I think that comes from age and gathering of knowledge and knowing things that I may have the right thing, in my opinion, to say to that person and what they're telling me, but the Lord may have a completely different agenda that has nothing to do with the way I think. And this has to do with the flesh, and we all struggle with this. But I notice as I get older, there's this sense of, okay, well, I'm at the age now people should listen to me. And that's pride. It's, It's arrogance. Um, but I think that's one of the things that, that, that people, I'm, at least I struggle with as I get older, thinking, well, isn't it my turn to have the wise thing to say? And that's really, that's really something I think that my flesh puts up as a, as a block to try to stop, you know, what the Lord is trying to do in that situation. And it's really more important to, you know, to be humble and, and wait. You know, I've got, uh, I've got a band on my arm with uh, Psalms uh, 4610. Because uh, he's like, I want you to be still, you know, and when it's time to speak, he'll give me the words. I just want to do what I hear my father saying and model after what Jesus did. Well, you uh, did that today. You, know of- you did that today because you called the phone number and you, you told us and you have no idea exactly how on point you are. With our next guest, because I told Miriam that a couple of days ago we had Dr. Crawford Loritz on, and after the program, I said, hey, Crawford, I'm going to do this program with Miriam on Thursday, and we're going to talk about temptation as you grow older. You know, if you're over 50, if you're over 60, if you're just joining us, that's what our conversation's about. What are the temptations as you grow older? And uh, I asked that question. Here is what Crawford said. I think there are two of them, and one of them, John Perkins told me this a number of years ago. He says, as you get older, you're tempted in the area of fear and insecurity. A lot of that has to do with, you know, uh, your your health concerns, time is running out, uh, and closely associated with that is number two. The second one is the fear of being irrelevant. Have I mattered? By the way, you know, I've talked to a lot of my colleagues about my age and this kind of thing, and they wrestle with that. Uh, there's a cure to that, though, however. But what ends up happening is, is that you don't make the adjustment where, you know, you, you begin competing with a younger generation rather than serving them and encouraging them and realizing that you're at a spot right now where you do need to step back. But your joy is found in their blessing and in their success, and you have to have to change. That's been my observation. Yes. Mary, respond to that. What do you think? We're back to contentment. 
And if you think because you've had an important platform in life, you deserve something because of that, wait a minute, everything that you are, everything you have, anything that's happened to you is because of God's grace and mercy. So let's just humble ourselves right there with that. And uh, I can see how perhaps for some spiritual leaders, and and Crawford is certainly that I have admired. I remember him bringing devotions to our uh, radio team at one point. Um, But it may be a greater temptation for some who have achieved more greatly in life than others. You know, my career as a counselor in public high school didn't earn me any spiritual uh, platform, let's put it this way, although I know I was salt and light. So it may be that, uh, and again, our culture says, if I do X, I should get Y. You know what? Again, go back to Scripture. Go back to what happened to people in Scripture. And there, there's none of that there. It's, am I following the Lord now? Am I willing to be content stepping back and giving someone else the spotlight? That is sure countercultural. Well, and that's the antithesis of pride, what uh, Clay was just talking about. And the other thing that can happen is that if you are competing with the younger generation and you are striving and you're trying to be irrelevant because you're still, you know, whoever you are or think you are, then it's very easy to denigrate the younger generation and to look at these whippersnappers with, you know, and, and treat them like that or, or, uh, make these snide comments about their phones and internet and, you know, how they couldn't, you know, they don't like hymns anymore, you know, those types of things. So we have to check what's on the inside so that we don't become, you know, the, so we get, become the people God wants us to be rather than just sliding into that identity. Oh, this is really good. Miriam Neff's with us. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. Easter Sunday is about a month away, a little over a month away, Resurrection Sunday. We are headed toward that grand celebration of what Jesus did for us, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And his story is the greatest that's ever been told, but a lot of people have never heard it in a language they clearly understand. Wycliffe Bible Translators is changing that. They're working hard to meet that need by translating God's Word for those who don't have it yet. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, a people group have the Bible translated into their language, uh, New Testament or even a portion of the New Testament, and it's brought in, the plane brings it in, and they hold it in their hands for the very first time. It's just an amazing thing. Well, I think what Wycliffe is doing will encourage you uh, with a lot of bad news that's out there. Bringing the scriptures to people in their own language is some good news. If you click Wycliffe, at chrisfabrylive.org. We're going to send you, they are going to send you a free Easter devotional. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org, click Wycliffe, and uh, you'll see how you can download that absolutely free. Click Wycliffe today, chrisfabrylive.org. There's a poem around the corner. We're talking about vintage temptation. Eva, you're not that, oh, you're not vintage yet, but I want to hear what you have to say there in Indiana. (laughs) I'm 52. Um, Well, I have a few temptations. I I get on Facebook and I see people traveling and having a good time. Then I want to travel. 
But also, I started to worry about my Facebook being so Christian um, and and friending coworkers that I, I created a new Facebook account. Now I feel guilty about it because I didn't want anything Christian on it. Hmm. Why do you? Why would you feel guilty about that? Because I want to be part of me wants to be bold, and I want people to have a relationship with Christ. But I was afraid that my coworkers wouldn't appreciate that and, and somehow my job might be in jeopardy. Mm, and I, sure. I, I think that was a lie from the enemy. Well, you want to, uh, here's how I would catch it. You want to be sensitive to other people. You don't want to overwhelm them, you know, with, with information that they don't necessarily they haven't asked you for. Cause if Peter talks about that, you know, always be ready to give an answer to anybody who asks you about the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. So I think there's a part of that, but there's also, there's also some, some shame that's, <laughs> that's mixed in there with, will people like me, you know, will people like me if they know that I'm a Christian or if I'm, uh, what was that song that the newsboys, Jesus freak, or was that the newsboys or that somebody else? Uh, Miriam, uh, say it again, Ryan, DC talk. That's right. Um, what, what do you say about that, Miriam? Well, I think even this culture thing is coming into account where it's like we don't want to offend anybody. Guess what? The gospel is offensive to some. And we also, we're fearful of sacrificing something. And, you know, might I lose my job? Well, there are protections for that legally, although that's not necessarily a guarantee. But remember, Jesus sacrificed because of what he was put on, he was on earth to do so there are some sacrifices i have found that people appreciate genuineness and you are a person of faith i have found at the athletic club where i work out and swim laps and get acquainted with people in the hot tub and all that there's quite a variety of people there and they're interested in a genuine person and uh, they also you find them coming to you and asking for prayer when something happens that was difficult for them. And I'm finding now, I think probably my more out, my greater outreach for the gospel is at the athletic club than some of the other uh, places I might have an outreach. So I would encourage you to let that fear not overwhelm you and not rule your day and and wipe out your witness. That's what we're called to be here to do. So that's pretty bold, Eva. But I'm sure you can do that in the Lord. Well, and the and the whole idea of shining, you know, a light on a hill. Uh, don't don't hide your light under a bushel. But at the same time, I, yeah, I just sense that you are respectful of other people, Eva, and don't let the enemy accuse you. You know, either one one way or other, you could be paralyzed by all this, and you never say anything to anybody because, you know, and, and you don't want to live that way. So thank you for being honest with us. The temptation, the vintage temptation, even though you're only 52. Um, when we brought up this conversation, I had an email that I want to read, but I want you to read Doris's poem. And I, I, let me say this before you talk about her. We are not – she's given us permission to read this, but we can't publish it anywhere, so we're not going to be posting this online. You uh, And I know as soon as Miriam reads it, somebody's going to want it, but we, we uh, can't do that because of uh, Doris's wishes – 
And I, I totally understand it, and I'm encouraging Doris along those lines. But I still want to read this, or want you to read it, because it goes right along with what we're talking about. Who is Doris? Uh, Doris became a widow when her girls were little. Uh, as life went along, and I met her at the church, I remember her husband. As life went on, her girls were assigned to me when I was a counselor at Maine West. Doris is by profession a skilled landscape artist and gardener, and so that's that's her work now. But um, she read this poem to us. There were six of us, and we're getting on into the vintage stage, and we were playing these crazy games and laughing, and she read this, and I thought, this is sweet. So this is Doris Strom. The title is Until Now. Oh, my, I look old. My world does not quite value the aged. Aging is depressing. Lord, I cry out to you, there is no hope to be young or energetic again. I am rolls and wrinkles, spotted and flaky, forgetful and tired, creaky and crooked, sagging and short of breath, aches and pains proliferate. I'm void of good anticipations. The fresh taunt grapes at the moment of ripeness are gathered. They're squeezed, pulp pressed, the sweet juices ooze and run. But they are captured and stored. They age, they wait. They ferment, they wait, the juices change, but not from being grapes. They become complex, they become heady. Some might even say a powerful potent. They become wine. Thank you, Doris. Now, in my version of it, it says, I am being wined. Lord, make me a wine pleasant to drink, not a vinegar, but a wine full of flavor notes of hope, hints of humor with subtle depths of your presence, rich with the flavor of walking with you for a long time. And when you sent me that, <laughs> I had to I had to, uh, to to put this into my, you know, to my own life here that if that's true then what you're sa- you were saying a little earlier that our plans over God's plan that he is the one who is responsible for doing this in my life, and he is working this out. He is making me powerful and potent, even in the, you know, the situation I find myself. Right? Oh, exactly. And I think of Anna, and I mentioned her before. But no. imagine the incredible value of her uh, kneeling down next to maybe a woman who hadn't been able to conceive children and was just pouring out her heart before the Lord in the temple. And imagine, Anna, how valuable it would be with her in her solitude, her life of solitude, to kneel with her and pray with her and remind her that she's precious to God. I mean, that's fine wine. That's really yes. fine wine. Yes, exactly. And And if we... Uh, if we go the other direction with this, if we go the discontent route, or as as Crawford was talking about, we go the competition route. We try to prove ourselves, and we try to get our validation from you know even the success that we have at whatever age. Then we're not going to be thinking about those who are coming along behind us, so that we inform their lives and we help them along. I, I, this is a really good conversation. Hope it's encouraging to you. If it's touching a nerve in your heart, 877-548-3675. 
You have to hear from an anonymous emailer. You'll hear that straight ahead on Moody Radio. Hey, if you're a BackFence partner, open up your email. I sent out a BackFence post about what's really happening. Some of the things uh, we pull back the, the curtain and, and show you in this video, things that go on behind the scenes. And there's been something that's happened for the last month here that I haven't talked about on the radio. But I just realized uh, last week, that are we, are we more uh, intent on fixing things or really entering into really listening. We talked with yesterday with Dr. Flanagan about that, fixing or listening. And that's the um, basic gist of my Backfence post, the video that we send out each Thursday. If you want to be a Backfence partner with us, give a gift of any size and each month, and we'll send you the promise of Jesse Woods, a signed copy of that, as well as this uh, video, the Backfence post, and you also have access to our monthly gift as well. This month, it's Larry Shackley's Hymns in the Stillness CD. So go to chrisfabrylive.org if that's interesting to you, chrisfabrylive.org, or call us at 866-95-FABRY, and appreciate your support. Miriam Neff is with me, and we're talking about Vintage Temptation. This is an email that came in. I'll keep her anonymous She says, I've had a disease. They discovered it when I was 13. I'm now 70. And I won't tell you what the disease is. But she says, as the years have gone by, my health has worsened. I used to do everyday chores just like every other woman would do. Lift heavy groceries, vacuum run, carry babies around, work in the factory, 10, sometimes 12 hours a day. That's no longer the case. And then she talks about how God has provided for her through the years. And she's debt-free now. And she says that God has taken such good care of her. But then she says, I'm quickly losing momentum. I can't stand very long. I can sit longer if I have the right cushions. It's very discouraging not to be able to be physically active. And then sleeping, she has trouble sleeping because of pain. At this age, I just feel what is going to happen to me. Even though I'm 70, physically I feel 99. But I have two things. I have a very young-at-heart attitude and motive, and the joy of the Lord has given me a hearty laugh, something like Pastor Chuck Swindoll's laugh. (laughs) The other thing is he has given me the gift of writing, though I don't want to necessarily write a book, just writing about how I could help others from what I've learned from my walk with Christ if I could encourage even one person or help them see how important it is to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and tell them, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, how much value and worth they have in him, it would be worth it. And I read that and I thought, she fits exactly in with what we're talking about, Miriam. Oh, my word. I, I am just saying, I want to be like you. And I don't know your name and that's okay. We we were, appreciate that you want to be anonymous. But you are what I would call a female version of Philemon, which, by the way, is one of my goals now. I've been really digging into Philemon deeply. And Philemon, as he says, uh, I always think, this is Paul writing to this Philemon, and here Paul is in prison. He said, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your, and here is our anonymous caller. This describes her. 
your love for all his holy people. You want to encourage people. And your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a hearty laugh. You have the gift of writing. This is Christ in you. And also, uh, your partnership with us in the in faith in your faith may be effective, deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. An effective outreach. This is you. I would say the female version of Philemon. So, I'm grateful that while you are experiencing loss of many of the things that the world values or we think is important or whatever, but you're gaining what's important to God and you're using it. You are that bright and shining star in a very dark world. Yes. And and you can't really, you know, you can hear us talking about you on the radio and you can say, well, now I feel better. My guess is you, that's not going to fill that void that you still feel in that struggle. That is going to come on the inside, much like a 58-year-old who posted on Facebook. She says, if I smile at the future, it's with gritted teeth, ha-ha, I'm tempted to panic. But as I look back at what used to be my future, I can see the Lord's faithfulness. That gives me hope for my present future. So that, uh, especially with all the things that you see in the news with, you know, financially, and you, you've written a book, you and Valerie have written the book on, you know, how to manage money and uh, retirement and how do you get this and that and the other thing. It can be really daunting when you hear all of this negative news about the value of the dollar and inflation and all those other types of things. And I have to keep coming back to the question, who is it that really is in control here? And who is it that's been faithful thus far? And is he going to show up for me and my family and those those I care about as we move forward? That's really the trust is at the at the basis of this whole thing, isn't it? Oh, it is. And it's stewardship. And remember, in the parable of the stewards, people were given different amounts. Now, they weren't given it. They were entrusted. God entrusted them. The owner entrusted them to do good stuff, well, to multiply what what they were entrusted with. That gives us our motivation, whether we're a five-talent person that he's entrusted or a two-talent or like with the one that had only one, he buried it. So, it's this thing of continuing and saying, okay, it's not over till God says it's over. And I think of the fact that in Psalm 139, he talks about every day is planned for us before one of them came to be. So during shaky times, anything we're entrusted with, let's say it shrunk, okay, but still we're overseeing that shrunken bit of 401k or whatever it is, or maybe our the value of our home, we're still taking care of that as unto the Lord. And and I'm just, I think Philippians 1, 6, uh, we're confident that he who began a good work in us will carry it on till the completion, the day of Jesus Christ, not the day we think it's over, the day mm-hmm. we think things are tanking. It's not over that. Well, that is that is the bedrock question. Is God really God? Is he mm-hmm. really going to show up? Does he really care? Is he involved in this? Am I just 
you know, using using the Bible and using God as this crutch, or is he really is he worth my putting placing my faith and trust, my full fo- uh, faith and confidence in, which is what Lois says. And I want you to talk with her. I would say in my life the temptation is worry and fear. At age seventy, I'm a widow. I feel I should retire. I currently work part time, but I feel very anxious about money issues. What would you say to Lois? Well, if you're anxious about it, you need to do four things. And Val and I talk about this in our book. You know it. You own it. You say, this is the reality. Here's my budget. And then you own it. You say, okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm spending more than I'm taking in. Or if I stop, if I retire, what's coming in then? Can I live in less than that? So you know it. You own it. And you either like it and say, this is workable. It honors God or you change it. And that's something Lois can do because instead of fear and worry, she gets the facts down in front of her, lays it out before the Lord, and says, okay, if I retire, this has to go out of my spending plan. This has to be go out of my spending plan. And then it doesn't take courage to do that. It takes obedience it's God's on loan to you. Well, now you can tell, Chris, I could wax on about this because <laughs> no, it's so I'm important. Glad. It's so important. Well, and it's encouraging, too. And for her to be able to see that and to name it, you know, I think, again, that's that's something that the Spirit is is at work in you. So never spike that. And if, if worry and fear are coming up, then par- uh, partly, I think you would agree with this, Having somebody come alongside you that you trust and who cares about what your you know your finances, a, a, a counselor or somebody at your church or somebody that you know knows more than you do about money, can be a really helpful thing to get somebody else's eyes on it. Somebody in in your uh, your department. What did you call that when you have people get on your board of directors? Oh, my board of directors. I have six okay. chairs, and one of them is a, fi- a person wise in finances that's not looking out to make money off of me, but is looking out to help me have a good plan. Lois, I hope that encouraged you today. Miriam, you always encourage us by by stopping by the studio. Thank you for what you're doing, and uh, keep those ideas coming, you vintage person, you. (laughs) I have a lot of them, and I'll keep you posted. (laughs) And I love that poem. I love the way that the, 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 the... grape that is pulled is pressed and is squeezed and this wonderful wine that comes from it can you think of your life in that way as well that god has brought you to this point so that he can make you into this uh, aromatic wine that is going to have an effect on the people around you that's what we're going to talk about with robert wagamuth tomorrow on the program because He's been talking to us about that, you know, the last lap, the second half of your life, and then getting into the fourth quarter. Now we're going to talk about the, the final part of that journey with Robert tomorrow here on the program. Hope you can join us then. And don't forget, Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute, online, chrisfabrylive.org.